0: Today, I am going to be doing something a little bit different than I have in the past. You know, the style of this podcast has been more of taking a concept and breaking it down and kind of hitting a couple key points, things to think about, takeaways, maybe a challenge, etc. cetera. And today, as you saw from the title, um, I'm going to be sharing more of kind of my journey related to sitting in an ayahuasca ceremony. And If you're not familiar with what that is, we'll get into it in the podcast, Um, but just with my background and Christianity and then the deconstruction that I've gone through and the challenges that I faced and the unexpected curveballs that I experienced in the ceremony, I feel would be really beneficial for myself selfishly to share with everybody as well as some, if you let's say that you're exploring or you're considering it, or maybe you're, you've signed up for a ceremony and you're not sure what you're getting into, um, to really kind of illuminate the process and just my own takeaways. So we're going to dive into what I experienced as well as some of my biggest takeaways. Men, we are not simple, chest thumping, rock smashing, fire starting barbarians. We have depth. We intensely feel. We are scared, yet brave. We love to have fun. We're imperfect and make mistakes. We're compassionate and loving. We are multifaceted. Let's explore the reality of masculinity together. When I said this podcast would be multifaceted, (laughs) I didn't fully know what that meant or what that looked like until... uh, getting into it. And this is definitely a facet of masculinity. I mean, it's lumped into spirituality and even lumped into emotional health and healing as well. But when I launched this podcast, ayahuasca was not even on my radar whatsoever. Um, and so it's a bit of a an unexpected pivot that my own life and my own journey has taken to land me in a place where now i'm sharing about my experience each ceremony is a little bit different but an ayahuasca ceremony is it's derived from a plant that's often in south america um, a lot it's most commonly from peru or brazil and those two locations approach it a little bit different Um, i sat in a peruvian style uh, the, the shaman the individual that led the ceremony he had actually just gotten back from 28 days in the jungle in Peru. And, um, and so that was much more kind of the, the flavor per se of the ceremony that I sat in. And now I really came into the ceremony as open-minded as I could be. Um, you know, I have come to learn about myself that I am definitely an overthinker and overanalyzer and, letting myself let go of that, uh, let, let go of my mind and begin to work with my emotions and my felt sense, my body, how my body stores emotions and energy. And all of that is something that's relatively new in the last couple of years of exploring and releasing and healing. And, um, I last year, about the last year, I have been microdosing psilocybin, um, it, I used it to come off of antidepressants. And that's a whole nother conversation and topic in and of itself. But um, I really found a lot of healing in my mind related to just my own inner world and coming off of the antidepressants and then microdosing the psilocybin. That was really my first journey back into plant medicine, um, using psychedelics as a means of healing and going deeper within myself as well as within my spirituality. And through connections and relationships that I had, it landed me in a place where just a week and a half ago, I sat in my first ayahuasca retreat. I'm saying retreat because for me, it was three days. I sat all three nights. Some people, they just came one night, some people two, some people three. It's really just what you choose to engage in, or the degree that you choose to engage in a certain ayahuasca ceremony. I think one can be really helpful at disrupting your norm, um, but definitely found the most disruptive and impactful experience was my third night. That could be circumstantial, but I definitely feel like the three days back-to-back definitely helped me let go and trust the process as well as engage with the things that we're going to be getting into leading up to it um, there is a guideline that people use it's called a dieta and it's basically a very strict diet and the idea is just to come into the ceremony as pure and clean mentally and physically and spiritually and emotionally as possible and so that looks like cutting back on salt and sugar and red meat. And you're really dialing down your diet to vegetables, potatoes, rice, so some starches, and you know some fruit as well. And that in and of itself was a really good exercise for me to engage in, not for the sake of I'm going to go on a diet for losing weight per se, but really just a matter of, learning to engage in that self-discipline self-control where in my own life you know i'd kind of gotten lazy and lackadaisical when it came to food even though i logically know that eating certain foods is not good for me or i logically know that if i have alcohol i'm not going to feel great in the morning etc but removing all of those helped me come into it feeling clear so i I feel like there was benefit even in the preparation for it. Um, and then the second thing, as far as preparation is concerned, is the idea is to set your intention. What are you wanting to walk away from the ceremony with? Now, an important caveat with that is I, I spent time journaling and writing out things that were on my mind, or I was kind of felt like I was struggling with or wrestling with, and not one of them came up in the ceremony. Um, and part of that was because I, I was very much in troubleshooting mode when I was journaling and kind of going into it with my intentions. And I think there's some value in that, but there was an individual that sat next to me, his name was Jack and he had sat in several ceremonies and he leaned over the second night, uh, shortly before the second knife at night. And he said something that for me fundamentally changed. My approach to the ceremony. And that was, he said, I have found it most beneficial just to ask Mother Ayahuasca, which is the spiritual representation for the ceremony as well as the, the drink, the, the what you consume. But just ask Mother Ayahuasca a simple question, which is, What do you want to show me to be a better man? What do you want to show me so that I can be a better man? And what that does is it removes, for me, it removed the need to try to control the thing that I was trying to take away or walk away from the ceremony with. It, it let me just mentally and emotionally go, okay, you know what, I'm going to trust this process, I'm going to trust the ceremony, I'm going to trust the ayahuasca to show me what it is that it wants to show me without me going you know why is it that i blah 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 you know whatever it may be and instead of coming in with that preconceived desire for an answer you just leave it open ended and that in of itself was an exercise of letting go of control which was one of the themes for me you know as a marine you're trained constantly to prepare for the worst and hope for the best right everything that can go wrong will goes wrong will go wrong in a state of war etc and what that does inadvertently internally after you get out is you feel this need to control you because trying to control the more that you can control it's the more that you can prevent an unexpected outcome from happening and With that mentality, I think there's a complete benefit for it in certain settings, in certain business settings, and in certain ways that you approach, you know, if you are building a house, you want to control as much of that aspect of the building process as possible to get the outcome that you want. But when it comes to your inner world, and when it comes to relationships, and when it comes to raising your children, that need for control actually hinders the ability to have connection and to be present and to be okay with imperfections and and so for me that first night that I sat in the ceremony I was wrestling with that control and I was kind of bouncing between experiencing what the ceremony had for me and then jumping back into my head or experiencing what the ceremony had for me and then getting distracted by what was happening in the room and it was it was not easy um the biggest thing that i took away from that i wasn't expecting from that first night was mother ayahuasca came in and often the peripheral vision she said josh do you want to look at your loneliness and for me especially since my divorce loneliness has been one of the harder things that i have managed in my own life you know i've, I've done certain things to manage it but it's definitely kind of that thing that has chased me around and tormented me. Or if I get into a bad headspace, then I I can seclude and then it fuels that loneliness and isolation. Let's not include uh, COVID and all of that that just fueled that for me. But in the ceremony, it was, hey, do you want to look at this loneliness now? And I felt like in the moment, if I said yes, that that loneliness would come right into my center view and then it would just suck me up it would swallow me up to the depths of the fear that i have and the pain that i have associated with loneliness and so i said no i said no I'm, i'm not ready to look at my loneliness yet and there was such a gentle and loving presence that she just responded with okay We'll just keep it over here so that it's in your peripheral vision. And I laid there just gently tearing up and crying because I have that Marine in me again is is trying to force myself to face this or to confront this or change this or fix this, whatever it may be. And when the response was, okay, I'm not going to force you to do what you don't want to do in this moment, that in and of itself was so healing And one of one of my big takeaways was giving myself permission to go at the pace that my heart is ready to confront something. It's really freeing to not feel like I am a project that has to be worked on constantly, whether I want it or not. And that leads into that. Well, let's stick with the first night, I guess. First of all, and that is. That was probably my only big takeaway from the first night, was this moment with ayahuasca where the loneliness. Now, bear in mind, each ceremony is anywhere from between between five and seven hours, so it's not like it's a fifteen minute deal, and this is the one thing that I got. You know, visually, it is a psychedelic, and so neurologically, visually, you're definitely seeing things and and i had my eyes closed and and so you know there were moments where i felt like i was floating and flying and then i kind of came back down to the earth and i mean it was pretty incredible but as far as my own inner world and and how it's impacting my life after the ceremony that was the biggest thing from the first night now the second night the second night was even more impactful and interesting and and the third was the ultimate <laughs> take away and, and uh, disruptive and what I walked away from. And so they definitely built on one another. Um, for me, it was the second night I came into it. Like I said, when Jack told me, you know, what do you want to show me? It definitely let my mind be at ease with whatever would happen. And being at ease, what that did for me was letting go of that control. I, I just closed my eyes and, and did some breath work, and, and let the ayahuasca take me wherever it wanted to go. And the second night, there was a different kind of ayahuasca that had 5-MeO-DOT in it, and that is a very potent psychedelic, and it's very visual as well. And so for me, it, I was on this crazy, you know, it was nighttime, but I was on this crazy color-saturated visual journey and saw all kinds of things and, and again, kind of had this flying, hovering, floating feeling to it where I was there but not there. And it sounds weird to talk about and say, but at the same time, it was, it was very tangible and real. Um, and I reached this point where it was kind of colorful and bright and beautiful. And then I said to Mother Ayahuasca, I said, okay, I'm ready to look at my loneliness now because I felt like it was light and colorful and and pleasant and so now I'm ready to go into the depths of this ayahuasca you know I'm I'm ready to go into the depths of this loneliness and and whatever hell it has for me I'm willing to face it because I'm just in awe of all this beauty that I am seeing visually and there was this face that turned pink and purple and contorted and then she held up this banner and she said, what, this this loneliness? Over here? No, over here. Let, let's play hide and seek with your loneliness. No, no, no. You're supposed to take it serious, Josh. Right here. Here's your loneliness. Over here. No, come on. I mean, seriously, though. You really need to look at your lo- No, no, no. It's over here. It's over here. And that went on for probably three minutes, but it felt like 30, where I could not stop laughing Um, At the same time, I was almost frustrated because I'm going, no, 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 I'm ready to look at my loneliness. I'm ready to look at the thing that is going to swallow me and take me to hell and shut me down and is my greatest source of fear and, and something that I avoid and the reason that I check out and numb and all of that. It's the loneliness piece, which, again, wasn't even my intention of going into the ceremony in the beginning. Loneliness wasn't on my radar. And I think that's one beautiful thing about ayahuasca is it brings to the surface the core driver of what is actually matter what actually matters in in the depths of who you are not necessarily how can i get better at time management right and so i'm laying there (laughs) laughing with my mouth hand over my mouth trying to cover my mouth because i don't want to be too loud or disruptive for other people that are sitting in the ceremony and um it felt so healing to just laugh at my loneliness. And after it went on, again, it could have been three minutes, it could have been thirty, you definitely lose track of time in an ayahuasca ceremony. Um, is once she was done kind of playing hide and seek with it, and I, I'm laughing, and um and she's like, Josh, you take loneliness so fucking serious lighten up man just lighten up and um since the ceremony there's been several times where i've kind of felt that loneliness creep back in and i go back to that moment that i'm describing right now and i can't help but laugh i can't help but not take myself seriously and in not taking myself seriously i'm able to practically physically smile and lighten my mood and it snaps me out of that funk. Now, don't get me wrong, I still have bad habits, I still have tendencies that I want to improve and change, etc. It's not an end-all, be-all, cure-all, but it is something that has been, it was so real and so tangible that it's far easier for me to go back to that moment than really anything else I've done to manage loneliness or depression. <coughs> or depression, or you name it. And once that was done, then there were these giant cement cylinders that came slamming down one by one by one. And on them were words like wisdom, integrity, empathy, compassion, strength, leadership, and they just kept falling in front of me. And there was this whole row of strong words and she changed that face changed from this light colorful bubbly try to find your loneliness to this hundred foot tall face and she starts yelling like violently yelling this is who you are this is who you are over and over and over again and it really challenged me. It really challenged me because I logically know that, but there are times when either my actions don't align with that or my loneliness gets in the way or I am tired and or I'm feeling overwhelmed as a single dad or whatever it may be gets in the way for me seeing those strengths that I actually carry at the core of who I am. And I felt emboldened and I felt empowered. And... Again, that went on for I'm not sure how long, but I could tell the whole point was to begin to operate from that strength, from those truths, not from the insecurities or the areas that I discount myself, etc. cetera. And then something happened that was definitely unexpected, and I'll preface it with saying that it will challenge you especially if you are um, very strong in your faith because talking to dead people is something that is woo-woo and spooky and demonic and ghosts aren't real, etc. I would not disagree with that stance. I can only share with you what I experienced and what I experienced was very real. And that was after those, that, that, this is who you are moment happened. Then there was this transition where everything was in color and there was one individual that was in black and white and he came walking towards me. It was very clear that he was in black and white and he walked up to me and at this time I'm, I'm kind of physically in, in real life slouching but down I'm, I'm sitting up but kind of leaning back up against the wall with some pillows and when I'm leaning there he walks up to me and he says hey I'm your grandfather's grandfather and we sit down and have an intimate conversation that will stay between us but it was a powerful conversation because It again, I didn't realize it in the moment, but it was addressing this loneliness piece. You know, one thing that he said was anytime that you feel alone, you can just call on me and I'll be right there with you. And it was related to some of my insecurities. It was related to business. It was related to a lot of different things. And then after having that conversation, I, in the real world, got on my knees because I, I wanted to stand up, but I didn't feel like I could. Because one thing that ayahuasca does is it throws off your equilibrium pretty bad. And so I got on my knees and then kind of leaned forward towards him, almost like a, a bow that you would show signs of respect for someone in the Asian cultures. And he grabbed, he was a farmer, and he grabbed a garden hoe and knighted me with the garden hoe as I was sitting there on my knees leaning towards him. And I'm telling you what, in that moment, I felt like I could build 10 businesses. I felt so empowered in that moment to just, uh, to set goals, to accomplish them, to see something come from very little or from, from nothing. And, you know, whether that was 10 businesses or, getting back on the dating scene and finding my bride, finding my queen, or doing adventures with my kids, I just felt a tangible strength from that moment that I'm still working on integrating and seeing practically what that looks like in my own life today. And that was the biggest takeaways from the second night. The third night, if you've made it this long, You're in for a treat, because for me, a lot of my deconstruction in my faith came after my divorce, because a lot of my religion, my God, was wrapped up in my marriage, and so when that fell apart, a big chunk of my world fell apart. Practically, my marriage fell apart, but spiritually, internally, emotionally, internally, it was devastating, and it was hard. and. It caused me to question my faith. It caused me to question God. And over the last few years, I found myself moving away from the container of Christianity for my spirituality. And in that, I found a lot of healing. I found a lot of freedom. But a byproduct of that was I had this lens of Jesus that. I wouldn't say it was tainted, maybe it was tainted by my pain, but I found less and less of a desire to get to know Jesus or to have a relationship with Jesus because, you know, he's the focal point of Christianity and finding flaws in the Bible and finding flaws in my own faith in the sense of the way that I experienced Jesus and God, I kind of pulled back and moved away from that familiarity or the, what I had become familiar with related to my spirituality and that got confronted and completely changed in the third night. The third night I came into it, same thing, show me what you want to be a better man. I came into it curious, somewhat nervous you kind of you feel nervous each time cuz you don't know exactly what you're getting into but i genuinely felt ready for the third ceremony and i took the ayahuasca and normally they start the ceremony with uh, a variety of just different sayings and prayers etc and after that time it was only maybe 10-15 minutes into which normally it takes a little bit longer for the ayahuasca to really start to get into your body and process my body started vibrating. I mean, tangibly, physically vibrating to the point where I didn't feel okay. I felt like I made a mistake. I felt like I wanted to purge and throw up the ayahuasca and get it out of my body because I was physically vibrating so much. And I, I got to the point where I crawled, literally on my hands and knees, I crawled to the back of the room. We were meeting in a, in a home. And there was this individual named Tom, who I would call him an angel personified. He he works with the shaman, and when I crawled back there, he asked if I was okay, and I said, you know, I don't think that I am. I need some fresh air. And he helped me get in the backyard. And once I got into the backyard, there was the most violent purging of emotion that I have probably ever experienced. And what that looked like was for 45 minutes to an hour, maybe even in more than an hour, again, you lose track of time. But I sat there on the back steps with Tom sitting next to me, and I just started bawling. And I I have a friend of mine who has made fun of me. He's like, Josh, you pretty cry. Like you cry, you're really in tune with your emotions, and it's crazy how easily you let yourself cry, but it just looks like your eyes are watery. You know, I ugly cry, and I don't really ugly cry, or I can't really say that anymore after my experience, because I ugly cried. I basically ugly cried to make up for 25 years of not ugly crying. I was sitting on the ground, I felt helpless, i felt powerless, i felt frustrated, i felt alone, i felt scared. i i spiritually was seeing kind of a darker or feeling like this darkness swirling around me. i felt afraid and that all culminated in me just sobbing. and i was crying and i was saying things like i don't know what to do, i don't know what to do or things like oh man i've been through so much <laughs> i've been through so much and i and i just let it all out and after again 45 minutes to an hour all of a sudden i got freezing cold and um i had exhausted myself to the degree where i couldn't even hold a bottle of water i was so thirsty but i couldn't hold a bottle of water and so Tom helped me take a couple sips, and and then he got me back inside, and this is the area in the moment where Jesus comes into play, because once I got back inside, I, I curled up in a blanket, got a pillow and curled up in a blanket, still fully feeling the ayahuasca. Uh, the shaman is, is singing his songs and, and playing the instruments, and I just kind of feel like I'm in the throes of everything. And when I was at the end of myself, actually at the end of myself, again, to the point where I didn't want to move, and I had to have someone help me take sips of water because I had so depleted myself from purging all of these emotions. And I found myself crying out for Jesus. Internally, right? It was. It came out of my mouth as a whisper, but I was Internally, I was just like, I just need Jesus. I just need, I need Jesus right now. I need Jesus. And when I began to cry out for Jesus, his presence came. There was, I was wrapped up in a blanket practically, but I felt like I was wrapped into this cocoon of peace after seeing everything and purging everything and crying and sobbing and being at the end of myself. All of a sudden, I felt this immense peace most tangible deep peace i have felt in a long time maybe if ever and once i felt that i remember laying there literally for hours where i was just i was going back and forth between oh, i'm so thirsty i need a sip of water where is my water i need a sip of water i'm so thirsty <laughs> and um and and then between that and going you know what i'm good i've got jesus I've got Jesus, I'm good. You know, it doesn't matter what spirits, doesn't matter what ceremony, doesn't matter what's going on, I'm good. I am good, I've got Jesus. And walking away from the ayahuasca ceremony with such a real experience with the spirit of Jesus was something that I was not expecting. I was not looking for, I was not anticipating. I didn't think that I wanted But in that sense, it was also healing, because now I'm still at a place where there are inconsistencies in the Bible, and there are very practically things that were suppressed and hidden and changed and language-buried. All of that is 100% true, and I still find myself not necessarily approaching spirituality in the container of Christianity, but you can't tell me that the Spirit of Jesus is not real. And... That was my big takeaway. Now, some could say because of my background in Christianity that when I felt really afraid or depleted that that was the thing that I cried out for and and neurologically I created that peace because it was an escape from what I was feeling. Some could make that kind of an argument. And that would be a legitimate argument or pushback against it. But I would disagree with that because the spiritual environment was so real leading up to it because then it's okay did i did i create that dark demonic did i create the whirlwind of what i was experiencing did i create the things that i was seeing coming at me did i create like i have to create all of it or all of it was actually real or maybe a blend of both but all i know is that walking away from it i I remember saying I am never going to do ayahuasca again because of what I experienced that third night. But after being on the other side of it for a week or two now, I find myself, I I do not want to rush to another ceremony by any means. But if I look at the takeaways that I experienced, I can't deny the good that came from it. The areas of confronting my loneliness, of giving me permission to go at my own pace and not force me into things, the experience of meeting my grandfather's grandfather and the exchange that we had and the emboldenment and the empowerment that I gained from that, the visual elements of what I saw and experienced, the purging of years of sadness. That, again, I, I say it's at least 10 to 20 years of sadness that I cried in an hour is genuinely what it felt like. Like I, the Tom had to carry me back in. I had nothing left in my tank. I had given it all in that moment and and purged it all. And then the tangible experience with Jesus. You know, sometimes you need to see the darkness so that you can experience something different. Now, for those of you that say, you know what, Josh? You are you're work. You're running in wild territory, and and of course you saw a, you know a darker experience because there's only demons that are there, etc. Again, we'll have to ad- agree to disagree on some of those points because I actually see beauty in that. I see beauty in Jesus coming to me, and I don't know that I would have cried out for Jesus had I not experienced what I experienced leading up to it. I don't know that I would have been able to purge that sadness had I not worked through the elements of loneliness in the days prior. And so I'm really glad and grateful that I did the ceremony. I think it's something that every, each individual, they, they need to find themselves on a, their own path and their own journey to lead to an ayahuasca ceremony. You know, I had two different ceremonies fall through before I went to this one. And this one came about in a matter of weeks. And so I've heard it several times since talking to people about it, but it will come to you at the right time. It's not something that you can force. Trying to force it could be a sign of you trying to reach for that control that is rarely helpful for anyone. And if you are interested or going to an ayahuasca ceremony or interested in an ayahuasca ceremony, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to have a conversation with you. We can go into more detail as far as the structure of the ceremony, et cetera. I didn't get into any of that today. This was more just my own takeaways and my own experiences from my my experience, but not necessarily the structure of the ceremony, et cetera. But if you have questions around that, feel free to reach out. It was so tangible and so real that is definitely now, one, forever a part of my life story, and two, an integral part, whether it's psilocybin or ayahuasca, you name it, it is definitely beginning to be interwoven into my coaching. You know, working with men, helping them navigate their inner world. Well, the spiritual world is very real, and sometimes psychedelics used in the right way in a healthy way can help you disengage your mind, which we often hide in or run to, to experience things that are outside of your logic. You know, if if your spirituality can fit between your ears, then it may be time to do something to disrupt the way that you have formulated your internal structure. So that's it for today. Um, Hopefully you found this story helpful. If nothing else, interesting. Um, Please feel free to message me if you have any questions at josh at Seerball Consulting, or you can always just leave a review on the podcast and I read all of those and reply as well. So until next time, uh, stay uncomfortable because in that discomfort, sometimes you will find some of your greatest healing.